Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, March 18th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The Federal Reserve indicated it won't raise U.S. interest rates until at least 2024. And Microsoft is launching an investigation into security groups over last month's cyber attack. Plus, Stripe's $95 billion valuation has turned a lot of heads in Silicon Valley. The FT's Tim Bradshaw will unpack all the investor excitement over the digital payments group. They've succeeded by being a very Silicon Valley company and very innovative and very hardcore engineering, but also by being unlike a lot of their neighbors. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The Fed is sounding pretty optimistic these days. After yesterday's meeting of the U.S. Federal Open Market Committee, the Fed sharply upgraded its 2021 U.S. growth forecast to 6.5%. Fed also said it expected unemployment to drop, And the U.S. Central Bank indicated it will not raise interest rates until at least 2024. To help tie this all together, I have the FT's U.S. Capital Markets correspondent, Colby Smith, on the line. Colby, if the Fed is so confident in this year's economic outlook, why not bump up interest rates sooner? Well, it's really a reflection of its new framework that it recently rolled out. Since August, it's been um, approaching interest rates and inflation and, and economic growth in a slightly different way than it has in the past. So now it's in a position where it wants to let inflation run above its 2% target. Um, And that's different than its past approach to inflation here. And in order to do so, it's proven um, that it has this willingness to keep interest rates incredibly low in order to to support the economy and drive inflation above this 2% level. And at the same time, it said it's going to keep policy rates steady until it sees maximum employment. And so I think what this really reflects is that no matter kind of how strong the economic recovery is going to be, the Fed has certain goals in mind and they're committed to their new framework from here on out. Colby Smith is the FT's U.S. Capital Markets Correspondent. Thank you, Colby. Thank you. Microsoft was devastated by a huge cyber attack last month. Now it's investigating whether security companies it works with leaked details about weaknesses in its software. Microsoft blamed a Chinese state-backed group for the first attacks, and hacks escalated as Microsoft was preparing fixes. Dmitry Alperovich is a cybersecurity expert. He says the hack of the Microsoft Exchange email application started out as espionage. Initially, around um, January timeframe, they were using these vulnerabilities to target their traditional espionage priorities, think tanks, dissidents, and the like. But then something interesting happened. So around late February, somehow, we still don't know how, the Chinese got word that Microsoft was now aware of the exploitation of these vulnerabilities and was going to issue a patch, which would essentially burn their opportunity to compromise future targets. And what they did is something that is quite unprecedented, certainly for them. They decided to literally scan virtually the entire internet to identify any vulnerable exchange servers and compromise them all. Alperovich said the hackers wanted to cast a wide net and cherry-pick targets. And he adds that an attack like this requires a forceful response. That type of behavior that is not just espionage behavior, but one that is extraordinarily reckless and leaves literally tens of thousands of organizations vulnerable to mass criminal exploitation is something that we find objectionable and need to enforce a red line with China and other threat actors that would want to do the same. 
That's cybersecurity analyst Dmitry Alperovich. If you want to hear more of his interview on the Microsoft hack, look for the latest episode of the FT's Rockman Review podcast, which comes out on Thursdays. This week, the online payments company Stripe became the most valuable private company in Silicon Valley. After its latest round of fundraising, the company was valued at $95 billion. It just passed the value of SpaceX, but unlike SpaceX, Stripe doesn't have a flashy founder. It has two low-key founders. They're brothers from Ireland, Patrick and John Collison. And doing things differently from the rest of Silicon Valley is part of Stripe's appeal. That's what the FT's global tech correspondent Tim Bradshaw says. He joins me now to talk about Stripe. Tim, let's start real basic. What does Stripe do? Stripe is a company that helps other companies take payments online, which sounds kind of straightforward, but when they started in 2010 was quite complicated and required a lot of knowledge of the various kind of credit card systems and payment systems and banking interfaces, the kind of plumbing of online payments and transactions. So Stripe's pitch when it began was this is just one line of code that you have to paste into your website and now you can make money. Which is incredible because it's something that you, I, and you know everybody around the world does and they don't even think about it, right? This is the sort of thing that is ubiquitous, but you just, you never see how it works. Right. It's, it's absolutely everywhere. And it was the first company that came along from Silicon Valley, at least, that tried to simplify payments online was PayPal. But even 10 years ago or, or so, it was still quite clunky for people to integrate into their website if they were a small startup or not a company with a lot of resources. And so Stripe really helped a lot of other Silicon Valley companies that were getting going 10 years ago to do that. And and how it's grown is that a lot of those startups are now big multi-billion dollar companies as well. What does Stripe look like within the larger payments industry? Stripe's seen its valuation almost triple in under a year. But so too have a lot of other online payments companies like Adyen, like PayPal, like Shopify, which is a big e-commerce company. They've all seen their valuations double or triple in the last year because there's been so much spending online during the pandemic. And there's been this huge kind of shift and digitization that's happened across the board. And so what investors are betting is that that wasn't something that will go back when we all come out of lockdown, but that's a kind of permanent change to people's willingness to transact online that has been accelerated by the pandemic. Okay, so given all these competitors that you just mentioned, Tim, what sets Stripe apart from them? I think a big part of the appeal to investors of Stripe is that it's not yet a public company. So if investors are valuing it at $95 billion today, that's a bet that when they do go public, which might be in a few months or a year or so's time, they will be even more richly valued. That's what we've seen with, you know, all all the tech company or a lot of the tech companies that have gone public over the last year have seen their share prices really skyrocket. And so the the appeal now is that PayPal, Adyen are listed companies, so you're not going to get the same upside that you would by getting in on a private company before that IPO pop. Tim, what about the company has allowed it to pull ahead? I don't honestly know if it has pulled ahead ahead because it is such a crowded market, but it's certainly pulled ahead from 
the rest of the pack in Silicon Valley's private companies, because at $95 billion, it's not just the most valuable private company in the US overtaking Elon Musk's rocket company, SpaceX, but it's also more valuable than Facebook and Uber were before they went public. And it's pulled ahead, I think, by being a very kind of engineering-led company. Everyone in Silicon Valley really admires the Collison brothers who founded it as as being kind of really long-term thinkers. It's also managed to avoid a lot of the drama that other tech companies that have grown very quickly in Silicon Valley have attracted, particularly the likes of Uber that like to try and move fast and break things. And, And when you're working in the payments market, it's very regulated, you have to be very reliable, you know, you have to have a lot of uptime for your customers. So they've kind of succeeded in some ways by being a very Silicon Valley company and and very innovative and and very kind of hardcore engineering, but also by being unlike a lot of their neighbors. Tim Bradshaw is the FT's global tech correspondent. Thank you, Tim. Always a pleasure, Mark. Thank you. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT news briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.